Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com slash give. Enjoy the message. Well, so glad that you're here. I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor. And what we're going to do is we're going to kick off a series this week. And we, we sort of know the answer is Jesus, but we don't know how that becomes real in our life. This series is called Fearless, and uh, 365 times in the Bible it says to fear not, and we really want to step in uh, to that reality, but there's so many things that can cause us uh, to be afraid. Sometimes it's our uh, life circumstance, sometimes it's a past failure. It can just be your family. I mean, let, let me do a little bit of a survey. Uh, go ahead, don't be shy. How many of you are the oldest children in your family? Go ahead and raise your hand. Uh, parents call you the experiment. Yeah, that's what happened. Is, uh, and they're, they're always real nervous about you, right? Because they've never had one before. Uh, we have a video of my daughter. Uh, she's up on a very low little uh, windowsill going across a window. And she's saying to herself when she was around uh, I don't know how, how old, two or three or something like that. And she goes, careful, Abby, careful, Abby, careful, Abby. Why? Because we freaked her out. That's why. Uh, and then now, how many of you are the youngest child? Yeah, and you're, you did that. You know what? You raised your hand more quickly because you're confident, because your parents learned a lot of things. And so, uh, youngest children tend to have uh, less fear, uh, oftentimes a little more confident. Uh, they're usually more intelligent and better looking as well. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, and so, we have these things uh, that can be true. Oh, I, I forgot. How many of you are middle children? Oh, yeah. No, your parents forgot about you, too, so it's not a real big deal. The, uh, <laughs> uh, the truth is, is that so many things can affect us. Here's what we usually like to do, is we like to get right up close to our fear, but not so close that we actually do anything about it. Uh, today, by way of introduction, uh, we're going to be looking at that from a grand perspective and really from God's uh, perspective. Uh, I know people like that because uh, people watch all sorts of uh, scary movies uh, again, I'm going to only have you uh, raise your hand a couple more times. Any of you scary movie people? Yeah, go ahead. and Yeah, what's wrong with you people? I mean, that is, uh, it freaks me out. My daughter, uh, she was saying, hey, there's this movie you should see. Uh, I watched the trailer for this movie, and I did not sleep last night. So I don't like scary movies that much. Uh, it's called Us. Yeah, you know, I had a couple of people cheer in some of the services. Uh, yeah, sinners. Anyway, uh, but, but the, this movie, she said, oh, no, you would love this movie. It's about this nice, wonderful family, and yet they're sort of, they have the, the there's an, another family that's just like them, sort of the alternative universe. They live underground, and they hate the other family, and they try to kill them. 
And I'm like, oh, that sounds like an edifying, just bring me closer to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, but again, what do we want to do? We want to get really close to our fear and not deal with it. Whether it's society peddles fear. Have you noticed that? That people will peddle when they're selling you a product, when it's just anything. In, uh, it, I, I am old enough, and again, last time raising your hand, how many of you are old enough to remember the nuclear bomb drills? Yeah, a lot of you. And what did we do to avoid the fallout of a nuclear bomb? We hid underneath our little desks, right? Yeah, I mean, a bad plan, huh? Hey, there's uh, 80 nuclear bombs coming, but we'll hide underneath our desk and be okay. Uh, and then, you know, sort of, we don't do that anymore. And then uh, many of you remember Y2. Okay, yeah. That's when everyone lost their collective mind. And a lot of Christians were actually the worst at this. And people were like, yeah, you know, I, I, you, you had water and food and supplies that would keep you for months on end. People spent hundreds of millions of dollars uh, on that because we were so afraid. I talked to my brother who, by the way, is not a, a Christian. And uh, I say that because I want to tell you that before I tell you this. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, he lives in an area, a little, not rural, but suburban rural area. And I remember Y2K, and I said, hey, uh, what are you doing to prepare for Y2K? Do you ha have you got anything? He goes, oh, no, my, my neighbors have all sorts of supplies and food, and I have lots of guns. So uh, <laughs> that's how he prepared for Y2K. <laughs> And then in 2011, I don't know if you remember, I think it was uh, April 21st, 2011, there were billboards everywhere, the world is coming to an end, and then we found out it was just an accounting error, fortunately. And then uh, 2012, you remember the Mayan calendar? Yeah, everyone, and you knew that it was real because John Cusack made a movie about it. And it said that the world is coming to an end. And people, again, they sort of freaked out about it. The funny thing, though, is if you actually talk to someone who was actually from Mayan descent and in touch with that culture, they said that's not what it means at all. It just simply means that one calendar, one era is over. With a radical expectation is that there would be a new era, actually probably a better era, on the other side of that. And see, that's a little more in line with what the Scripture teaches as we look at future, as we look at purpose, as we look at what God has for you and what God has for me as well. If you'll take out your outlines, if you don't have them out already, we have one verse that's going to frame our entire discussion as I uh, introduce that and our topic today. It says this in 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Uh, by the way, if there's people who are Christians and are peddling fear, all you have to know is that's not what God did. That's anti-God. That's anti what the Scripture says. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a power that's confidence. We can have confidence. That's not pride, confidence. Those two are different. Of love. When you're afraid all the time, I can tell you one thing that you'll never do is truly love someone. If, the, if, if you're dealing with fear, you're going to have a hard time expressing love 
in a meaningful way. And of a sound mind. And that's what I want us to do, is I want us to get a hold of God's purpose, but also get a hold of our, our minds and say, God, I, I want to walk not only in faith, but in confidence in reality. I want that for you, for me, for your family, for our church. And as we raise the spiritual temperature in the communities that Timberlake is in. So, what is fear? Fear is placing faith in the what-ifs. How many times have you played the what-if game? Well, the what-if game we even find in the Bible. Moses, who God had called to deliver the nation of Israel after they had been in slavery for 400 years. God appears to him in a miraculous way. How does he respond? Man of faith and power? No. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? He's living in the what-ifs. What-ifs can ruin your life. What-ifs can steal your joy. Fear, at its very essence, reveals what you value most. If you value your reputation the most, you'll be afraid of showing any weakness or being found out. If you fear, or if you value your health, you'll fear being sick. If you value uh, stability, you'll fear any change and maybe needed change in your life. Number two, uh, what you fear reveals where you trust God the least. That area uh, of your life where you, you say, okay, God, you know, yes, I follow you, but I've just held this at bay. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Many of you are not experiencing spiritual growth like you want to, and I say this as a fellow traveler, not as someone who's casting any judgment. But you have a participation in that, probably more than you think, in terms of saying, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. Jesus sets this all in context of what he wants to do in the world. If, if you were going to ask a, at least a, a, almost any theologian, what the message of Jesus was, it's about the kingdom of God, this reign and rule of God. There were not only a, a plan, it's not like a, a political kingdom, we vote in God's kingdom, but it's God's reign and rule uh, in our lives, and that as we allow him more access, that becomes more apparent. We see this message of Jesus, it says, but he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also. And catch this, because that is why I was sent. Jesus was sent, yes, he, to die on the cross, to pay the price for our sins. We celebrate that around uh, Easter and Good Friday, but also to, to let us know that we have, a, we have a plan we can step into. We read again, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent. Now, by the way, that word repent, we don't like that word, right? Uh, repent simply means this. Uh, it, repent means I'm going one direction. It's not working out for me. And guess what I do? I do something really spooky and spiritual. You know what I do? I go another direction. And have, do you have an area where it's not working out for you, but you're just pressing into it even more? And maybe you just need to repent. 
maybe you're approaching your, your marriage relationship in a way uh, where it's not working out. By the way, if that's true in your marriage, you can't say to your spouse, hey, repent. That's not going to work out too well for you. We all have to choose that on our own. And believe what? The good news. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see for people who were uh, struggling with this, Jesus is actually uh, brought into a debate about finances. Aren't a lot of our fears they can be around health or finances? And he says this, but seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. It doesn't say seek these other things and you'll get God's kingdom. That's not the way it works. Do not be afraid. Here we get that. We're going to see that a lot next few weeks, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Jesus invites us into his, his reality, and he wants that to become our reality in our life, that we would, we would be part of what God is doing, and we would find purpose, we would find our future, and you know what's going to diminish in the process? Your fears. Henry Blackaby wrote a book a number of years ago called Experiencing God. And in this book, the basic premise was this. Find out what God is doing and join him there. And you think about purpose. See, there are certain purposes we all know that are, that are laid out in the Scripture that are really true uh, for every person. But then there's that unique purpose of what God is doing in this point in history and in your life. And if we can find out what God is doing or wants to do and join him there, you're going to have more purpose, you're going to have more peace, and the fear will subside. So how do we step into greater purpose? That's a, 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 what we want to look at as we're studying this theme of the kingdom of God and as we start this series. What does it require? Uh, number one, uh, it requires that you're teachable, being teachable. You know, one of the worst things that can happen to your career, to your marriage, to, uh, to anything, is that you deem yourself an expert. Because when you're an expert, you stop learning. You, in fact, I was uh, uh, asked, uh, you know, about Christian leadership and developing young leaders. That's sort of uh, one of my passions. And uh, someone asked me, uh, how can you tell someone is going to be unsuccessful as a pastor? And I said, usually they have a Master of Theology degree. Yeah, you know, our Master of Divinity degree. They become an expert. And when we become the expert, by the way, you want to grow in your career? See, oftentimes, yes, you need to prove your value and your worth to the organization. But if you're like, hey, I've got this, I know everything, you know what your boss knows, that person can't grow, they, they're not, definitely not going to get promoted, because they're not a learner. We, if you want to be a leader, you're going to be a learner, you're going to always be growing, always do well. Same thing in a marriage relationship as well. You know what, though? We don't like to look bad. Uh, my, myself, I grew up in the Northwest uh, Cultural Center of the Universe, Tacoma, Washington, went to college. Uh, at, why are you laughing? Anyway, uh, <laughs> I went to college at the University of Washington, which I used to always say was best until my daughter went to Washington State University, and now I love all colleges. 
And uh, so, uh, so I grew up here, but the funny thing is, uh, growing up, how I grew up and where uh, I grew up is I never learned to snow ski. I uh, moved down to California and Arizona, was down there for about 19 years because I uh, really like uh, that thing called the sun. Anyway, uh, so I was down there and moved back up here, became pastor here. Uh, very shortly into it, there was a guy, he runs a big hedge fund, very, very wealthy and successful, invited some pastors of, uh, of churches uh, to go with him on his private jet. Uh, to the Yellowstone Club in Montana, which is, uh, I hear, one of the nicest, maybe the nicest ski resort in the world. Private club there. And so uh, I almost didn't go. Do you know why? I don't know how to ski. So what am I going to do at a ski? And I'm like, I was embarrassed. And uh, he said, hey, don't worry about it. Uh, And he said, you know, just come and we'll get you ski lessons and all of that. So I went on there, went to this uh, resort where, like, uh, Warren Miller skied, you know. I mean, everyone skis, and here I am a novice at the Yellowstone Club. Uh, and I was just so embarrassed. And, and there were other Christian leaders there, and I didn't want to look foolish. And I thought, am I going to let my fear of looking foolish keep me from learning something new? How many, in our faith that can happen? So many times. Actually, so I did, I took ski lessons there. Uh, There's another pastor, actually a local pastor, pastor at uh, Bellevue Presbyterian Church. Uh, He actually helped me learn to ski. Uh, Evidently, God had predestined that. So, uh, (laughs) yeah. And so he, uh, he, he helped me to do that, and I took a step. Where are you going to take a step? Where are you going to be teachable? It says this, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called the little child whom he placed among them, and he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes a humble place, becoming like this child, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Part of that, means that we have to take calculated risks. Calculated risks in our life. We're, not we're being foolish, but we're making a, a risk. We're saying, I'm going to try something I've never tried before. I'm going to believe God for something I've never believed before. It says in Mark 8, 34, uh, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, as I say this, I say this as a fellow traveler on this journey. You might say, well, you know, I feel a little spiritually dry right now. Where have you taken up your cross? Where have you denied yourself and said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you in that area? You might be, well, no, I just need to learn some more deep theology. No, you don't. You want real spiritual growth? I know you think it's other, but Jesus Christ says it comes when you take up your cross, deny yourselves, and follow him. Well, what about those other things? He doesn't say it's that. It's where you radically trust him. And you say, Jesus, I invite you into this place of fear. I invite you into this place of struggle. 
and I'm going to follow you. And here's the promise that he makes. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the sake of the gospel will save it. You know, that's about us personally. It's also about us corporately as a church. And, and I uh, said last week that I was going to just, in, in a very short way, reveal what I'm going to be revealing over the next period of time, some of what God has called us into as a church. As, as a church, I remember a conversation ten and a half years ago that as we uh, gathered together, as I came on board, there had been a bunch of great pastors, but after a rougher season here in the church, and someone said, you know, I believe Timberlake could be a church of 2,000 people someday. And uh, people are looking around the room like you're crazy. Uh, and then we became a church of 2,000 people, and then a church of 3,000 people, and more than that. And by the way, don't get overly impressed by numbers. Do you know that 100,000 people followed the Grateful Dead around for decades? <laughs> and that was not a spiritual movement. Although I think a lot of people saw some mystical things along the way. <laughs> so, so the question is, what God has, God has been so good, and God, what do you want to do in this next season? What's our next right step? Is it just peace in our lifetime? Or, or God, is there a mission? Because we see what's happening in our world, that people have this caricature of God, and I, I go to places, and I know people are hungrier for God than ever, and hope. And what is our part in that? We've never believed we're the solution. We just believe we're part of the solution. And so, as I was talking to the leaders in our church board, and we've been praying about this, is we believe that God is calling us into this next season. One of our missions is to raise the spiritual temperature of this region. And so we, uh, we're looking at four aspects that I'm going to be talking about. One for our churches, we're going to continue to grow. Now, I mean grow not just in numbers, and we, we hope that we will grow numerically. Every once in a while, I'll talk to people, well, should a church grow, you know, wide or should we grow deep? And you know what the answer is? Yes. In fact, the Bible would say you can never be deep with God if you're not reaching out. That's, not, that's called spiritual immaturity. That's called selfishness. But as we reach out to more and more people, it also means that we grow in our faith. Now we have, obviously you come on weekends and growth groups. I love my growth group. I was with a bunch of people on Friday night, highlight of my week. But also we've, we've learned that there are some gaps. We're going to start some experiments to help you really grow in your knowledge and your faith and allow God to work, whether it's practical areas like your personal finances or, or some area like that, but also in your understanding of the Bible and prayer. We're going to start some crash courses right after Easter. I hope that you're going to be part of that. Also, as part of this mission, we believe God has called us to plant five churches in five years. And now I know some of you are saying, haven't we already planted churches? Yes, we have. But one thing we know is that people who are unlikely to connect with God, they usually are attracted more to a new church. We're looking at one in Seattle right now, and, and we believe, and by the way, from a uh, business plan perspective, this is not a good business plan. 
Hey, you want to grow your finances? Give money away. You want to grow your congregation? Give people away. Uh, I want to give some of you away more than others. No, just kidding, just kidding. (laughs) I love most of you. Anyway, uh, uh, but the truth is, let me be serious for a moment. God has a mission that's bigger than us. And whoever will lose their life, do you know what losing your life means? It means dying to yourself. For the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we'll find it. And I know my tendency is to run away from that. But even as I was praying this morning, I said, God, I I just need that to be true of my life right now. I want to be about your plan and purposes. A A third aspect of this is developing leaders for God's kingdom. Now, if you've been around here, you know that three of the new senior pastors in the Seattle area are all people who've come from Timberlake Church. And we continue to develop leaders of churches that need to be revitalized of ministries where there's life-giving, scripturally faithful churches. And that's really our mission. We want people to know that God is for them, not against them. It says in the Bible, uh, I was glad when I went into the house of the Lord, not that I was mad or sad. And we want that to be true. So we are going to continue to do that. But it's also the leaders that are you. I mean, there's groups of leaders, businesswomen, businessmen, leaders in community and organizations, and we want to leverage that leadership. So you're the best leader to where you can go further, faster in your overall leadership, but where Jesus Christ is an integral part of it. And then the fourth part is a part that's going to probably be uh, the most visible, and that's the word restore. We believe that God has a plan to restore marriages, restore families, restore us personally, as we struggle with areas of our life, whether it's addiction or finances or some area like that, and for kids in particular. I mean, I I just heard just in the last few days about kids who are struggling, being bullied, kids who cutting, and our society is trying. In fact, we've never spent more money than we have as a society. It's just the results are getting worse. So evidently there needs to be a new way forward. And see, I believe, this is, I truly believe that unless you see every person created in the image of God, that society will never, the bullying thing, it's never going to work. Racial reconciliation, it's not going to work. But when you see that Jesus Christ went to the cross and said, this is how much I love that person. And you see them the way that Jesus sees them. You see you the way that Jesus sees you. Man, that changes everything. Now, we'll partner with secular organizations. We have no problem with that. But see, I I believe that we have something to bring to the table in our local community. I'm not talking about political statements. Please, no. I'm talking about real care and compassion. And you say, oh, that's good. That's good. We should do that. Do you know who we is? You. Okay. You say, well, I'm not sure about that, Pastor. See, number three, it requires meaningful investment. Now, 
as we think about that, uh, usually you think of an investment as financial. Certainly that's part of it, and that's not really what this lead-up is about. But if you're not investing in God's kingdom work financially, Jesus said, where your money is your heart is also, I encourage you to do that. Do business with God. You're part of the mission and give and support here. Man, if you think we're not a trustworthy church, go to another one and support them. But I think it's bigger than your money. I think it's leveraging our relationships. I, I was on a plane and get the opportunity to travel a little bit uh, from time to time. And I, was, I love to get to know people. So I was sitting next to this lady who was from Kenya. And uh, we have people from over 60 countries on this campus alone. And, uh, but, and I know we have some Kenyans on our campuses. And, and you're wonderful people, but she represented Kenya better than anyone I have ever met. She was very gregarious and outgoing, uh, talking to her. And she, uh, you know, we talked. I said, I'm, hey, I'm from Seattle, lived in California, came back. And I said, where are you from? And she said, I am from Kenya and I said, oh, that's great. I've never been to Kenya. And she goes, oh, you have never been to Kenya? And then she said, and I can't do her accent, which was wonderful. And she said, you have not been to a beach until you've been to Kenya. The beaches there are so wonderful. And she described the beaches. And she said, the animals, there's animals you've not seen. You need to go to Kenya. And she said, the food is so good, and there's lots of food, and, there, and, and talked about the people so hospitable, and all the, the parts about the country, and she was describing it, and I was getting so excited about it. In fact, I am surprised I'm here today, <laughs> because she was so, she just couldn't hold it back. And so here's, here, here's, here's my hope for you and for me. That we will allow God to do a work of healing and restoration and joy and forgiveness. And we'll get so close to Jesus. And it's not going to have to be some program or something like that. You'll just, you'll just share it. You'll just share it. You know, we're, we're hitting this time where we're getting close to, to Easter. And I truly encourage you to, to say, who would I share the love of Jesus Christ with? Because every single person matters to God. I mean, you wonder why we do the things we do. People, why do you do the egg hunts? You know, sugar is not good for kids. I know that. But it's crazy. There are people who will be like a neurosurgeon, and they will bring their family to church for $1.80 worth of sugar. And they don't even believe in God. And so we'll do anything to help people know that God has not given up on them. That faith is actually, they can bring their full intellect to God and make a step of faith. You know what that, you know who, it, it takes your investment. Who are you going to invest? Who are you going to invite? Who do you believe that God would never do a work in their life? Invite that person. See, it's whether it's our relationships or finances. Jesus puts it this way. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure uh, hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, if you'll underline joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought the field. It all leads back to this, though, a personal hope. You see, the, the idea and the reality that I've let this become true for me Jesus was 
approach by man who is a religious leader, really loved God, but he, he was afraid to go all in with God. In fact, we find out later that he, he did finally go all in, but he didn't at this moment. He, he said, what does it take to really, really, really know God, to really experience purpose and hope and not live in fear? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. Now, that word born again is, is not actually used much in the Bible. And, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, maybe you saw some televangelists that ruined the word for you. But it's a good word. It's a Bible word. In fact, I think it's a, a great, accurate description of what God wants to do. See, Jesus is saying the deadest thing in your life, he wants to leverage his resurrection power there. We'll say, I'm dead in addiction. You know what? The Bible says this, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us, if you'll allow it. I have a dead marriage. Jesus wants to work there. Whatever, maybe your life with God, it's dead. Will you allow him to work there? See, I think that there's something that happens when a group of people say, God, I want to be about your plan I want to be about your purpose. I want to find out what you're doing and join you there. And we take our best time, energy, resources, relationships. And we say, God, I know that when I lose my life for your sake, I truly find it. And some of you are going to find that life today. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.